Warm Hockey Podcast. This is episode 89. We are that much closer to 100. Whoa. What are we going to do for the 100th? Are we going to are we going to have a big shindig here? What are we, we got to figure out like something? It would be nice funny to funny hats and whistles. It would be nice and... to have a unique piece of content to do for the 100th. Yeah. It would be nice to to have whether it be Owen or Ryan or you know Brandon or somebody to have one or multiple guests. It would yeah. be nice to do something um, for the 100th um, and have a unique piece of content and just share stories or yeah. do do something Agreed. that isn't just a typical, okay, this rumor in the NHL. No. This, you know, this or that. We've done that. We do that all the time. Right. So to have a unique piece of content would be... Let's um, good, awesome for the 100th. I think we should, and we can get our buddy Ryan back on here because, uh, as you mentioned a bit ago, we um, just saw a replay of the '84 Quebec Montreal playoff series, which yes. was absolutely ridiculously entertaining. If and you haven't he, seen he it, go on that. YouTube or somewhere and find it. Yeah, it's, go to it's go good. find that. And Walter Walter played in that. And Ryan was in that. It was uh, he was, it was playing for so Montreal. Fun. Played Quebec. Yeah, it was it was great it rivalry. Was fun and to watch. Just hearing stories about that. I talked uh, a couple days ago to our uh, our friend Jay Shears. Uh, caught up with him for a bit. I think he would come back on and join us for a hundred. Okay. And uh, we just make it a fun, an old hot stove of uh, storytelling. Yep. What do you think? Perfect. Man, it's nice to be back in the studio. Yes, finally. we are back in studio in person. Yikes. Uh, this week, we are not. you're not going to see us on YouTube. Um, I've been posting our Zoom conversations that we've been having on YouTube. So, there are, so four or five of them are on YouTube with you and me, with Ryan, with all that stuff. Um, so a number of them are on YouTube. This week, because we're in person, because we're not on Zoom, because we're still figuring out uh, the technical side of getting cameras and things up and running for actual legitimate video podcast and video versions um this week's episode will not be on youtube unfortunately before Uh, you light me up on social media i have to tell everybody i did not know that i was uh, that we were going to be on youtube so i probably didn't look as pretty as i normally would as you normally do with your uh with your sport coat and your yes your tucked in salmon colored shirt and all that stuff yeah um didn't have time to primp. Probably. Another housekeeping note: um, if all works out, scheduling and planning wise, we will be um, back in Chilliwack this fall yes. for the BCHL showcase. That'll be great. Um, unlike last year, though, the entire event is in Chilliwack, so nothing. Oh, is, okay. Nothing. In nothing is in Penticton or Merritt or anywhere like that. It's, we had a good time uh, in Chilliwack. It's all in Chilliwack. Yeah. Um, so obviously, some things to sort out. Um, contact the BCHL. Make sure that we can have either, if not a suite again, yeah. at least a, a place that we can bring a table and set up our stuff, right? Um, things like that, so that we can at least record some content. Absolutely. Um, but take care of that stuff, all that scheduling-wise for us personally in our in our lives and everything at that time too, uh, different things like that. But if all works out that way, we should be. Um, at the BCHL Showcase again in Chilliwack. Beautiful. Um, it's a f- Wednesday through Sunday event, o- October 20th to 24th. Uh, so that should be fun. And even if, we, even if for whatever reason we can't get a suite and we can't have our, con- our recording stuff with us, 
you know, we'll be staying in hotels and stuff. We can have the recording stuff with us there, take notes while we're at the games, and then discuss things from there. So there's ways to get it done. We'll get it done. But once we get things sorted out, we should know for sure one way or the other whether or not we'll be able to be there and bring content for you guys. So uh, BCHL Showcase again in Chilliwack this year. Uh, Things are starting to move in that direction um, for normal seasons um, starting next year um, with BCHL, WHL, and and Major Junior, uh, NCAA, and the NHL as well. So uh, Seattle's coming coming in the NHL. Uh, Expansion draft is mere weeks away. Yep. Um, And... So that's going to be fascinating. Pay attention to that one because that is really going to be, that's going to be a wild look at who teams are exposing to dump salary, um, who teams have no choice but to expose just because of the rules. Uh, If they, if they do it right there, Seattle's going to end up with a good team just like Vegas did. So, and they um, should for that kind of price tag. Number, number of other notes as we get started here. Um, Starting this this coming year, um, the ECHL has a team in in Three Rivers, up in uh, Quebec. In Quebec, really? Yeah. So they've got a team there. They're they're now the affiliate um, for the Montreal Canadiens. Oh wow! Um, I didn't realize that. I hadn't heard. Iowa has added a ECHL team, and they are um, affiliated with Minnesota. Right. So, uh, so a couple teams there uh, on the NCAA front. Uh, some big news. Um, Alaska Anchorage is has folded. They are no more. Wow. Um, I got to start reading Alabama, the web a little more. Alabama often. Huntsville has suspended operations for oh. the 21-22 season um, because again, remember on our our last discussion the NCAA there were um, seven teams are splitting off to form a new CCHA um, which left a which left um, a number of teams without conferences. Alabama Huntsville being one of them, and Alabama Huntsville is has now looked at being in the Atlantic Conference. But the problem with the Atlantic Conference is the travel between travel. Alabama and you know Air Force and Colorado Springs and wherever else um, is very, very, That's very, very difficult. Prohibitive, cost, so cost um, prohibitive, uh, that, and that has to be what happened with Alaska. Yeah. I know the North American Hockey League, the junior program, uh, has had major problems with with expenses and travel. So, um, it's uh, got to so, be close together. Those are those are not programs that fund themselves very easily. And a new villain in the NCAA, Robert Morris. Robert Morris has completely closed down their hockey programs. Um, the school board has just decided they're not doing it anymore for whatever reason. Um, and it what it's not COVID, it's not finances, it's not anything like that. The only quotes that they could give was that we're focusing on a we're focusing on a direction for our school that fits the size of our school. That's huh. what they said. How so, big is that school? Do you know? I can look it up here real quick, but um, you follow the NCAA a lot more than I do, which so is which Robert is Morris is none. Robert Morris is in the Atlantic Conference. They've had rivalries with Air Force and things like that. Yeah, they've um, been around a long time, so they are no more. So that so school this is, is it, explain this to me. You've got schools all over the U.S. spending the money, making the commitment to put uh, Division One programs into the NCAA. At the same time, three of them fold up. Well, it's a, it's a, that's, it's hard to explain because it's a, it's cause I'm not obviously in the room or I'm not making the decisions, but it's one of those things where it's, it's, 
hockey fans and these schools and these things, they want to grow the game. They want to be in, included. There's um, there's talk of a school in Tennessee that wants to to move to Division One, and if they do, they are the first black university that would have a Division One hockey program. Hmm. Um, so there's talks of these things, but the problem is, is you then get to the the financial decision makers and you get to things like that board of governors this and that and that they're the ones that throw up the roadblocks so all of a sudden now you get um you mean that you get issues with travel between alabama and alaska and you get all these different things and so now um and now you get schools that are either suspending operations or folding entirely uh robert morris is an anomaly because that's that's a whole different thing um because they've been around for a a long time robert morris um let me look it up robert morris university here real quick um so robert morris is um pennsylvania so all these schools that have the idea to play hockey and then somebody comes along and wants them to figure out how to pay for it. I'll be darned. Yeah. And then there's, uh, so it's it's a number of things. Robert Morris is an anomaly because they've been around for a while. So yeah, clearly that's not a that's not a will they or won't they make it type right. of thing. So that's an anomaly. But um, Alabama and Alaska, again, the travel stuff with that confuses me because you know clearly like Robert Morris is an Atlantic is an Atlantic Conference school, right? Yeah, but they can travel to Colorado Springs to play Air Force with no with no problems. But Alabama has has issues, and what what that means though is that Alabama is and Alaska Anchorage are having funding problems because Robert Morris clearly has the money to be able to travel, whereas Alabama, if they don't if they're not in a conference that is within within reach, right like yeah. the WCHA or something like that, then they're they're hurting because they don't have the finances to, to do those constant travels all season long. It, so it's it's interesting. St. Thomas University in Minnesota is beginning play in 21-22 Division One. So they're that's an so so few fold or suspend operations and now a new team, a new school comes in. Right. Um, and then you have um, Alaska Fairbanks is still going to compete, but they're going to compete as an independent. Oh, like, I see. Okay. Like Arizona State. So Alaska no, Anchorage has folded. Alaska Fair, Fairbanks is going to operate as an independent. Uh, so that's a few uh, college hockey notes there. Um, as The problem with Robert Morris's situation is they, they didn't leave a lot of time for now these student-athletes to transfer and find roster spots with other schools. Because they made it so close to to rosters being finalized, right? So now these kids, what do they do? Right. Well, so, but anyway, a uh, number of notes there. And uh, as we kickstart episode 89 this week of War Room the Hockey Podcast, uh, if you're new or if you um, don't know or, or you for whatever reason, close out episodes each week before you hear us say it. Make sure you head to the necessary social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram, Worm the Hockey Podcast, at Worm the Hockey Podcast, respectively. Like and follow us there. Engage with us. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, We've been asking you to engage with us. We have yet to hear from you. Um, Share stories, uh, comments, questions, anything like that. We'd love to hear from you. Um, 
Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio. Um, you can find us there and subscribe and make sure you listen. And um, if you are f- following us on YouTube as well, any Zoom conversations or any videos that we do finally get going, you can find there. Subscribe, notification bell, and um, yeah, share with your friends, your family, anybody you can. And uh, we love new, your help and support you to continue to grow. Exactly. And if you're new, where have you been? <laughs> Welcome, but what took you so long? I get there's there, so, there's some great content out there with um, spitting chicklets, and then there's missing curfew with Scotty Upshaw and Channel Brian and things like that. <laughs> but War Room the Hockey Podcast, we've been here. Let's go. So, well, listen, I got speaking of War Room and and what we do. I I got a I had a few things occur to me here over the last few days uh, watching the playoffs. Um, you might wonder where Montreal came from, but if you listen to War Room Hockey Podcast, this would not be a shock to you. It's not a shock. Here's what I will say, though. It is a shock to me a little bit just because, again, and Montreal, it, we predicted Montreal would be a playoff team, that they'd be a good playoff team, that they'd compete, and we were right. The um, And as a result, um, good playoff teams are able to adapt and adjust their game based on who their opponent Correct. is. Correct? Well, you're seeing that with Montreal. Now, for the prediction's sake, heading into the series, after watching the Vegas-Colorado series, I struggled with whether or not Montreal would be able to compete. Just when you watch the, the passion and the energy levels from the Colorado-Vegas series, yeah. and then you watch Montreal-Winnipeg. And... Uh, the most exciting thing that happened in the Montreal Winnipeg series was the controversy around Mark Shifley's hit. Yep. Otherwise, you know, whether it would be because of the sweep, whether it be because what no fans, whether it be because whatever, there was just no enough, not a lot there. So when you con- compared the two, compared and contrasted the two series, it, it was hard to say that Montreal would beat Colorado or Vegas. Now they're doing a very good job. They've proven what we predicted in our pre-playoff, even pre-season um, predictions to be correct. Yep. So good for them. They're doing a great job. And well, um, they're, I got 18 to 1 on them in the, in the preseason, which is still looking pretty good because of as of this recording, they're up 2 to 1. Last night, uh, recording the uh, right after Game 3, uh, Vegas outshot them 48 to 25 or something pretty lopsided like that price looked really good um mark Andre Fleury kind of accidentally kicked one almost into his own net and uh, Josh Anderson finally came to life buried that one and then the overtime winner but that's this is a this is a good team and more about that whole setup soon but we called Carolina's lack of goaltending we called Washington's lack of goaltending we called Jordan Cairo as being a major factor in St. Louis, which he is. He might have been the best player on the ice in St. Louis for their short stay. And you called the uh, – we called Noah Dobson. Yep. We called the coaching importance, now seeing what Barry Trotz can do and what really, really good coaching does for a team. And you called the Avs inconsistency. You told us that they did not have the consistency to make it, but even though they were favored, they couldn't put it consistently on the ice every night, and that proved to be the case. Yep. Uh, so exactly. Well, exactly. Their their issue was consistency. And it this was. is why War Room, the hockey podcast, is, you know, maybe we we are maybe the most un 
heralded, <laughs> over uh, underrated podcast in uh, in all of hockey. I agree. Uh, I, it's hard to dispute that, but their issue was consistency. There, to to close that t- um, note out, there they are in so many ways a better team than Vegas, and it just that's just fact. That's not me as an Avalanche fan yeah. speaking from with emotion. That's fact. They're they're the only reason that Vegas would win, whether it be five games, four games, seven games, would be if the Avs just weren't consistent, and they weren't. They, they just flat out weren't. There yep. was no consistency. And when a team like Vegas gets going, they played with the type of consistency you hoped or expected Colorado to play with. And even when they lost, they even, even when Vegas lost the first two games, they had consistency in those yes. losses. And, and well, with game- exception of game one, the Avs didn't have the consistency. Correct. And so when you go out when you put those two against each other the consistent team despite the skill or size or anything like that is going to come out on top you it's just have it, it you have to have the night. consistency the 60 minute efforts and colorado mm-hmm. just didn't have it no now, so now on that note again um won't won't name names um you have a source connected with colorado yep. um there, there's some contradict news and obviously it's all speculation till until it's the done. chips fall where they go yep. but um your source saying you know landeskog is likely gone they're just not close on contract negotiations if they've even started yet um but at the same time elliot friedman has said that colorado is is and will do everything to keep Landy, um, and in the same breath, at the same time, they are going to do everything to also lock Makar up long term. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, uh, so it's one of those things where, again, you know, n- not to discredit your source, not to discredit no. Friedman, um, but it's one of those things where, again, there's a lot of speculation and a lot of and that's and all everything it is. like that, and it's, a lot of speculation simply. And I'm I'm taking a guess that your source is probably. Not saying he doesn't have access, but your source is probably speaking strictly on the numbers of salary cap. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think anybody has been in the room with. Um, uh, gosh, who's his representative? Who oh, you, you texted me the. Uh, you keep talking. I'll I'll try and find it. Um, but uh, there they are. I'd be shocked as we talked off camera. We would be really, really surprised if Landy doesn't get tied up in, in uh, and stay in Colorado. Peter Wallen. Peter Wallen, and he's a uh, he's with a lot of the Swedish Swedish born players, but um, he'll stay there. Makar is an absolute. If if Makar doesn't derail physically or something, he's a Hall of Famer in twenty years. So he's going to stay there. Uh, Landy will stay there most likely, unless the unless for whatever reason he just wants out. And I don't think he does. I don't see it. If he if he wants out of Colorado, he's the best actor in the world. Uh, well, that's true because he's he's done he's, a better job because he's he's done a good job since the Duchesne stuff a few years ago of playing it up that he wants to be part of the solution. And if you don't want to be part of the solution, then we don't want you. Yeah. And all this stuff. To he's now, a all of a sudden, kid. when his contract comes up, all of a sudden see a buy. I don't see it again. No. That's not to discredit your source, nope. but it's just I. 
and anything's possible with the flat salary cap and you know all these different financial things at play it is a business all these different things but i just i don't i don't see at sackick with everything he's done to build this team to being a contender willing to break up his core which landeskog is a part of right but you know and landeskog is you may not be able to sackick may not be able to compete to keep him if if seattle was to come in as a ufa if seattle was to come in and dangle enormous cap busting money in front of him because they're the only team in the league that can really afford to do that oh 100% and again it's not discrediting anybody it's not to say they're wrong it's not to say it's not possible it is a business at the end of the day you know whether we whether we like that it's a business or not because we love the beauty and the fun of the game but it is a business and so anything's possible and money talks right. so you know anything's possible i just look at it from i look at it from the perspective of I don't see Landy wanting out. No. And I don't see Sackick wanting to let him go. No. No, so, right. it, it, like I said, the only the only realistic possibility is that Seattle gets stupid. Yeah. And and if it in that case, if it goes above eight million, then I don't think Sackick can afford to no. keep everybody in his young pipeline and break up break his cap with uh, with an eight or nine million dollar long term contract. So now here's we'll here's here's a speculation for us. Let's make a speculation on this topic and then we'll move we'll move forward. Okay. Um, is this a piece then where maybe you think Sackick knows that Francis maybe wants to offer to Landy? So is this a piece where Sackick kind of goes if you if you don't offer to Landy or you you don't go higher than this offer? We'll we'll give you this in the expansion draft. Right. What do you want? What do you want in return for leaving my guy alone? You think you see that being I, a possibility? Absolutely. Now that that may be, you know, a, a first and a second, which he might not want to do. But I think there's a whole lot of those discussions with almost every team in the league having those kind of discussions behind the scenes with Seattle. Is the Landeskog like situation? I guess what I'm asking is the Landeskog situation something a situation that falls into the category of that type of side deal discussion do oh you, do, absolutely do you see absolutely and and him and a him and a couple dozen other guys in the league yeah. for sure um speaking of side deals um apparently seattle's price for side deals is pretty high since we're speaking of it um I'm looking up um, some notes and, and news here. According to um, Pierre Lebrun, he's he's Pierre is hearing uh, that the ask from Seattle to do side deals that will allow teams to protect certain players or dump salary is extremely high. Oh yeah, um, it's not. So according to Pierre, this is not good news for franchises that have no good decisions to make when it comes to trying to protect a player they don't want to lose. That's exactly right, and that's where that's, that's where the where Landy the rich thing comes get in. Richer that's where the Landy thing comes in. Absolutely. So if all of a sudden they say, "Well, our price is pretty high, so we're going to offer Landy nine point three at six years." If you don't want us to do that, or if you or whatever, you're going to have to give us this. That that this is pretty high. So 
the set, and you you knew it, it would be. It, well, and, and that the same thing. McPhee did the same thing in Vegas. Yeah, uh, like we'll we'll let you have this guy, and we'll throw in a second round pick to leave that guy alone. And that's you know that that's just the way that's the way the the rich get richer, and that's where Vegas or, or I'm sorry Seattle is going to end up with a good team and a full pipeline of draft picks because they're going to be loading up on that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, st- so, sticking with the Seattle, and then we'll, I'll let you get to your point. Elliot Friedman has said that um, Seattle has a third interview scheduled with Rick Tockett. Yep. Um, so it's looking like Rick Tockett will be the coach in Seattle. That's a good um, move. LeBron then said during an insider segment that he wasn't comfortable enough to call it a done deal, but all signs point to Tockett being a guy that lands in Seattle makes uh, all the for, sense their, in the world. for their coach. So And, and Tockett and uh, Ronnie, Fra- uh, Ronnie Francis were teammates in Pittsburgh, yep. so they go way back. Yep. Um, a, couple of, a, a couple of observations from the, uh, from the playoffs. I noticed we're not seeing a lot of reviews, and specifically no offside reviews, which is really, really good. I, I love. I don't know. I don't think there's been an offside review yet. Has there? In Not that I've seen. I don't remember one. I know we're. <clears throat> I know on that note. I know we're. You know we're pr- like, like in personal lives with enforcement and firefighters and military and things. We are pro. Those types of people. So we're pro officials. Yep. Um, I think though it does need to be discussed. There's some discrepancies that we've seen especially in the new york tampa series with how things have been called um that are a little fishy (laughs) the i I don't know like personally and again personally i don't know how an official (laughs) with eyes on the play can watch pelic absolutely shove point into varlamov and call point for for goaltender interference how both teams can be allowed to score goals with six or seven guys on the ice. Yeah. You know, things, things like that. Like I get, look, I get it. And this is all I'm going to say about it. Cause I'm not, again, like I just said, I'm not one to rip things apart. We're, we're human beings. We, you know, we're doing a job. Things happen, whatever. Um, I struggle though when you get to the playoffs and the officials are the best officials of the officials, that's why they're, that's why they're officiating in the playoffs, how you can get guys like Wes McCauley and these different officials and they don't see the, these, these, they don't see All. six or seven men on the ice. They don't see Pelic shove point. They don't, they don't anything like that. Well, it's and then they come out and speed. say, then they come out and say in defense of the point situation specifically, that point cross-checked Varlamov, which he didn't. With that, it was about protecting the goaltenders because goaltenders are important. But Pelic is the one that it's. So it's. It, there are there are probably look it, ten times in any given game that you can look at a call or a, a non-call and say, "What in the world was that about?" But if you weigh the, if you weigh who it favored and who it didn't favor. It's probably going to be five to five. It's very seldom that you see a dozen things happen in a game and nine of them were against one team. So all I'm saying is it happens in real time. 
they try to make the best call they can for the control of the game, for the safety of the players, they don't always get it right. But as I've said many, many times, if you stick around a while, the bounces and the calls will all even out. That's all there is to it. Unless you are somebody who has been so divisive and so nasty to officials that you just are not going to get a. Anytime there's a coin flip call, you're not going to get it. So that's a, another reason not to not to pick on these guys as though they're trying to as though they're trying to deal off the bottom of the deck oh, because yeah. they're just not. So don't don't show them up. Don't accuse them of doing things that are that are unseemly, and you'll you'll get uh, you'll get the calls just like everybody else. Some will go your way, and some will not. I, but I do like the fact that there's no reviews. I I have not seen a whole lot of reviews, which is which I do agree that is a good thing. It's good for the game. I let I, it let it play. Let it <clears throat> unless something is just so obvious or so egregious that you you kind of have to review it just to make sure you got it right. Otherwise, let them play. But. Um, so I've, it's, it's good to see. I've also, uh, I've made a, you know, my, my never ending journey of, of introspection and, and, uh, self-development and stuff. I've had to change my mind on a few guys. Kyle Palmieri, I had no use for him for a long time. Cal Clutterbuck, um, Pasternak. I mean, these guys are genuine players. That's all there is to it. The fact that I didn't care for the way they did things at first, I tried my very best to not like Pasternak, but he is an absolutely dynamite player, good kid, a lot of fun, and the boy can just score goals. And the same with Palmieri. Cal Clutterbuck is a perennial best fourth-line guy in the league, and it's, he's been that way forever. I just... You know, well, the, my, the whole Vegas. my open-mindedness is what I'm trying to point out yes. here. My, yes, because you're so open-minded. <laughs> uh, the whole Vegas team, though, would fall into that category. How many? How many of those players on that roster before Vegas was a, a t- franchise in the NHL would you have said, "I want or need that guy"? Look, I, part of that is Ma- Riley right Smith, place, right play, right Shea time. Theodore. Jonathan Marshall. Oh my God! A number of these guys. How many of you would you say? Okay, I'm I'm not giving him up. I I want him. But clearly not all. Almost, not almost none of them. Almost none. Of them. That's why they're in Vegas. Yeah, but right. but that proves my point, right? Yeah. So now all of a sudden you see them play, and well, you and we can Fleury. and we can debate. You know the number of times that they've won the division or yeah. being exempt from the expansion draft all we yeah. want. But at the end of the day, the players still play the game on the ice right. and they, they compete and they win and they do these things. So um, clearly 31 NHL teams, 30 at the time, because Seattle wasn't a thing at, the, at that time, but 30 other NHL teams made egregious mistakes on a lot of these <laughs> players. Some of them, they didn't have any choice. Some oh, of course, did. some of them they didn't have a choice, but the point cabin. is, the point is, they made some big mistakes on these players because clearly it's a, it's a it's a you know Miko Rantanen in 2016 situation where if Patrick Waugh gives him any amount of ice time, you're going to see what he can do. But if you bury him on the fourth line or in the NA, or in the AHL, it's no wonder he's not doing anything for you. And clearly, that's kind of how this whole Vegas thing is shaped. Uh, shaken out for a lot of these players it goes back only a select to, few like maybe mark stone or shea theodore you could say are 
top six ga- oh, guys that can really go. Shea Theodore but, is is magic. Uh, he's absolutely brilliant and and getting more and more dominant every night. In the on the subject of how would you like to undo this decision? You think maybe Washington would like to have Barry Trotz back behind the bench for the half million dollars or whatever they were apart on salary? How does that look right now? How does it look? How does Mark Andre Fleury look in Vegas or like any of the other guys you mentioned? And this is another. This is another example of not only us being right here on War Room about guys like Dobson and and coaching and and emotion and consistency and the mess in Buffalo, which is never ending, but size still matters. And even in the case of a guy like Nick Suzuki or Brendan Gallagher or Marchessault or somebody that, that small, these guys play a very, I think Brendan Gallagher plays as heavy of a game in front of the net as anyone in the league at five, nine or five, eight or whatever he is. I, he just he is so impressive in front of that net. You know, the biggest guys in town cannot move him around. Braden McNabb tries. They can't do anything with this kid, and he's five eight on a thick rug. He's, but it it's a heavy game. So yes, Alex Tuck is is going to play a heavy game. The Montreal defense is going to play a heavy game because they're all like six three. Uh, Josh Anderson and Toffoli they play heavy because they're big guys. They are heavy. But man, oh man, it does matter. And if you're not big, you got to play big. So look at all four teams left. Look at the teams that have gone by the wayside. The teams left are playing a very, very north-south heavy hockey game. And that's all there is to it. And if you, and this goes back as far as I know, and far it goes back generations, if you don't build your team for the playoffs in this way, Guess what happens? You're, you're Toronto. You're everybody else who either didn't make it or flunked out in the first round. You've got to build a team that plays this style of game. It doesn't matter how skilled you are if you can't play down low, if you can't play north and south. Yep. So, uh, And you've got to have also the third and fourth lines. Look, look at the past 25 years of teams that have won cups. Going back to you know Pittsburgh with the the Kessel, um, uh, who who was the K, the the Kessel line in uh, Pittsburgh with um, Kessel, Nick Benino, Benino, and I believe it was Haglin. Haglin, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and now you've got fourth, third, and fourth lines in Montreal. You got third and fourth lines in Tampa, and Vegas, and the Islanders, and these are all the best bottom six guys in the league, yeah. and they're still, uh, and that's why they're still here. So then that's, you know, those are, these are all things that if you just listen and pay attention to us, you can impress your friends at parties and stuff with what you know, if you just quote War Room. Yes, but, but quote us the way you would Elliot Friedman. So per Evan Rauer with War Room. Yeah, that's right. It's, so make give sure, us, yeah. Give us the credit and, and make sure you, you uh, hand out a business card when tell, tell them where to tune in to get all this information. Yep. When they say, when people say, how do you know so darn much about the game? How do you do that? Just tell them where you got it. Yeah. You're so, welcome. Paul Stasny uh, looking to be out in Winnipeg. Um, I'm hearing two two possible destinations are either L.A. or St. Louis. 
for him. Um, What's his price tag going to be this time around? Well, his price tag last time was seven million. It's why Colorado so easily just let him walk. Um, what do you think he's worth today? Three and a half. He's a he's a pretty good two hole center right now. Uh, I'd I'd, I'd say I'd say, and I love Paul. Two Stas- or three. I love Paul Stasny. You know I do. I would say two year, one or two year contract wherever he goes. Three and a half million. Yeah, I I, I would think so. He. I would say at this point he's not a guy, and he still plays a tremendous NHL game. Oh yeah. Um, with, it, he belongs. There's no question about that. No matter his age, but because of his age, I. I think it's a mistake for any team to offer him any more than maybe maybe two years. Two, maybe three, but any more than two years. Um, if you hamstring yourself, and I love Paul, but if you hamstring yourself with him at his age, at this point in his career, on a six- or seven-year contract. There's no chance. At 35 years old, there is absolutely no chance he gets more than two. Yeah, so you give him a year or two, at three, three and a half, tops. I, I think that works. Um, he's, he's going to end up like Eric Stahl, like Corey Perry, like Jason Spezza. Yep. Good, solid veteran guy, great in the room, can do a lot of things for you up and down the lineup anywhere you want him. But if you're, and, and I, I like Paul Stassi too, I have a world of respect for him. Looking at it from a, caps point, a, a cap point of view, I would say, I'd be scared to death to give him more than a million and a half, two million at, at 35 years old. I just don't. And, and he's very serviceable in the two or three hole, but he's 35. So I, that's, it, it's going to be interesting to see. Here's something to speculate on with him, though. Um, the rumor is St. Louis or L.A. is, depending on what, depending on what happens with, say, uh, Kadri or Landeskog, would Colorado be a fit? Depth center iceman who can win you face-offs. He can still work on the power play. He still does wonders on the power play. Quarterbacks that power play and yeah. and everything. Wins you important face-offs. He, can, he plays disciplined. He can be your, your guy, a depth center iceman, say, say you part ways with Kadri. He yep. can do all that stuff, and he can provide more... Ve- Playoff veteran leadership in that in that room. Come playoff time again, which we can speculate again. Nothing guaranteed, but we can speculate that Colorado will be in the playoffs again next year. So, is good, is good. he a fit? He spent eight years in Colorado. Sign him one or two years. Let him close out his career in Colorado, and there you go. Is, is that a fit? Yep. Is it that is. Colorado and St. Louis are both good fits. He he works in both rosters. The way they the way they are set up on the top line, and the way they're set up on the bottom nine, he he fits in both of those. He fits in cap wise, he fits in personality wise, um, and you know he likes both places. So yeah, I I would say, I'd be shocked if he didn't sign in one of those two. Yeah, uh, Oilers looking at a third line center. <laughs> They're looking at a lot of pieces, but yeah. from but from what I'm reading in these rumors, third line center is one that they're looking for. Um, again, that's a big conversation because whether anybody wants to talk about it or not, Edmonton has a lot of work to do 
depth-wise and whatever. But um, they're looking, obviously, to add pieces as they should. Um, bl- bl- um, uh, sorry. Seth Jones out in Columbus. Yep. Um, the talk is he wants to play in Dallas or Colorado. Probably Dallas, yeah. Problem is, is he's not a free agent. But f- free agent or not, whether you're, whether it's money or it's assets, what you'd have to give up for Seth Jones is huge, and it's so still- so say so say f- whether it be Colorado if if it's Colorado, look at what they'd have to do in terms of hemorrhaging a future just to add Seth Jones. Dallas, again, same thing. Dallas f- floundered and kind of flunked out this year, but. They're kind of the same thing. What would you'd you'd have to give up a Rupe hints? You'd have to give, you know what I mean. You'd have to give up big pieces, and is that something you want to do? Um, the other rumor is that Toronto's in on him. Again, same discussion for literally any team. Look at where you're going to have to give up though to have him. Um, I'll volunteer Willie Nylander for him. You are still again. You're still against that guy, and he gets you 60 or 70 points a year. He's a top six forward. He's found his game. He's tremendous for that Toronto Maple Leaf organization on the ice. I, I, you baffle me with <laughs> sometimes with, with what you like and don't like. But nonetheless, if we're not careful, we're going to go down another Hinostroso Avenue here. Oh, so, oh my. Um, the other rumor is that the Blackhawks are in on Jones and Hamilton. Dougie Hamilton is um, out in Carolina, or at least looks like he's out as he's been granted permission to to talk to other teams. Um, so Chicago, though, is in on either signing Dougie, Dougie Hamilton or trading for Seth Jones. What do you suppose it is about a 6'4", mobile, high-scoring right-shot defenseman in his mid-20s that people that he just cannot keep a job? What is it with him? I mean, you can only we can only speculate that a guy like that who is constantly on the move is somehow is there is there some kind of toxic nature to his dressing room behavior? What like what is it with this guy? It seems to be a taboo conversation because nobody wants to talk about it. From from everybody on Sportsnet, TSN, ESPN, NBC, any anybody, any writer, any hockey news, any whatever, nobody wants to mention these things. It seems to be a taboo conversation, but the facts the facts are simple, and and at this point, I'm confident to say they are facts. You just can't ignore these things. The these are these are high draft pick guys cornerstone type talents that you would want to build a defensive core or an offensive group around and yet they just can't do it pk suban that's a cap deal it may be so but the point but and and from all intents for all intents purposes he seems like a genuine guy in the community so it's it's not not fully that but there's still something there because it may be a cap thing, but every team finds the ability to have one, at least one guy on their team they're willing to pay anything for. Yeah. And and you would think PK Subban is the type of defensive talent that they're willing to do that for. So are they, are if it's not a if it's not a a personality locker room thing, then is he just not that talent? 
Is he not that guy that they want to do that with? But the point is, P.K. Subban, Matt Duchesne. Right. Matt Duchesne, a third overall draft pick, grew up a fan of the Colorado Avalanche, and he alienated himself in that locker room. That's... And over eight, seven or eight years in Colorado, he had one 30-goal year. One. And and I get that every uh, that you find your game and you find your niche and you find where you belong and you find how you can contribute and produce and not everybody not everybody even if they are a f- first overall pick or a or a hundred and thirtieth overall pick is a forty goal scorer I get it but the point is you are drafted to be that superstar that you build a team around right that's what you were hyped as that you were that's what you were drafted as and you had one thirty goal year. And you haven't had a thirty goal year since. Not in Ottawa, not in Columbus, well, not in Nashville. Let me let me be the let me be the devil's advocate here for a minute. We were talking earlier about letting go of guys like Marc Andre Fleury or Marchessault or you know, how about the Jonathan Drouin trade for Sergachev? Like how many people would want that one back? You don't get mulligans when you when you do this. So let's just say Maybe in the case of a guy like like Matt Duchesne, you you spent a high draft pick on the guy, he just didn't pan out. And for the money, let's get, let's give everybody the benefit of the doubt and say that there's no bad guys in the room, that there's no animosity, no matter what happened with Mike Hoffman or whatever. That everybody is a straight up guy, stand up dude in the room. You just you go well, okay, I'm I'm getting 23 goals out of this guy. And I'm getting some minutes, and he was minus nine, and he's he's now he wants eight and a half million times seven years. I can't do that. Perfectly good guy, but I can't break my cap. So, in in the case of some of these higher price guys, and and Hamilton may be one. He may be a guy that just demands more than what he is willing to produce for you. I don't know, but you got to take the cap into consideration. Uh, in addition to when you add all these things together. You look at the talent, you look at the age, you look at the, the health history, the cap hit, and the personality and how does he fit in your roster. I get it if you make a you know, you make the occasional mistake and you've got a guy that you spent a high draft pick on, whether it's PK or Matt Duchesne or Dougie Hamilton. But this is now in the case of Hamilton, it was Boston, Calgary. Carolina, now who knows where, and the guy's 28 years old, and he's a fantastic talent. Something's up. Well, that, then and that's he's, m- never, he's never been to UFA, so it's not his cap hit. Well, then that's my point. Yeah, I know. Matt Duchesne hasn't been to UFA. No. And so that's my point. And, it, it, and go off the basis that maybe you're right. Maybe it's as simple as just a guy finding where he fits, and a guy like Duchesne not being a top-line center. Mm-hmm. Put him second or third line center and let him get his twenty goals, but and, not for seven or eight million dollars. But, but you, but at that point, then you got to have the tough conversation with Matt and say, "Look, we want you in Nashville, we want you in Ottawa, we want you in Colorado, but you're not going to get seven million dollars, and you're not, and you're not going to be a first line center." Right. But it, it, the point is though, these guys have not hit UFA. The the, so something about these guys in the locker room ha- is what. The cap thing is this isn't in Colorado. This isn't Paul Stasny whose contract ends and he's asking seven. And 
you got Nathan McKinnon coming up, so you can't justify $7 million for for Paul Stasny being on the second or third line, so you let him walk. This is a, a third overall draft pick. This is a guy that, you know what I mean, this is a guy hyped and built as a superstar. This is all this stuff, and he has one 30-goal year, and all these, and it just, something Something didn't, he clashed with O'Reilly, whatever, but he, there's just, something's not, and then he gets traded. Ottawa's great, awesome, woohoo, and then, oh, sorry, you're out in Ottawa. Yeah. And then, okay, I'm here in Columbus, and and he did a good job of covering that he wanted out, but something didn't fit there either, yeah. and, and everything. Then he gets to Nashville, and he's not your top-line guy, and he hasn't broken, I think, 20 or 25 goals, and... Like you're just some, and then now Nashville. Now there's rumors that Nashville's wondering what to do with him because they're stuck with him for eight years at eight million. And expansion. How draft. do we how do we move forward? Send him to Seattle. So well, and go off the, the basis. Problem with go off the basis. Right, go off the basis that you're right. Okay. Go off the basis. There's no there's no toxicity. It's just cap. Okay. Fine. But the point is, I I struggle with why no matter what the answer is, why it's such a ta- taboo conversation for the supposed experts to have. Because one way or the other, the writing on the wall with these with these high draft pick, highly talented players that, that you would think are the guys that you would want in your lineup within reason, but yet they're bouncing around to three, four, five, six different teams and they're doing all that. There's, there's at least a discussion to be had and it baffles me why it's so taboo? I I can I would only say that nobody else wants to say it for the same reason that you and I don't want to say it because we don't actually we're not in there and we don't know we're not we're not having beer with these guys you know late at night when the discussion is unfiltered we're not at dinner with them we're not working out with them in the summer we don't know for sure these guys you know they seem to be very popular they seem to be talented who could blame you for for spending a lot of money on a Matt Duchesne or a PK Subban or a Ryan Johansson or a or a Jeff Skinner and then a year or two later you're just not getting the return for it so now all of a sudden i mean there all these things play together like your production on the ice what kind of a guy you are in the room what kind of shape you are in when you come to camp uh, everything about you, you, and most of all, it's a business. So mo- the most important factor in any guy's career is what he produces on the ice for the money he he gets paid. True. Okay. So it's speculation. Okay. Fine. Here's here's my thing. If it's if it's speculation, I'm going to go off the Matt Duchesne incident because we've been talking about it. Just continue with the example for the sake of not bouncing around too much. It's production, it's cap, it's whatever. The, the obvious toxicity he brought in Colorado, that's not a secret when you saw how things played out there. Yeah. And and that's that's a guy who, again, wasn't a UFA. And that that's a guy who apparently, and here's what I'm going to say, Duchesne strikes me as a guy who wants the load on his shoulders. Because you saw what happened in Colorado... McKinnon's coming in, he's lacking the production, so McKinnon's your top-line guy. All of a sudden, Duchesne's kind of bounced out of that spotlight and that, mm-hmm. okay, I'm the superstar, I'm I'm the guy carrying this team, and so he gets a little bitter, and all of a sudden, now here we go. But here's, here's my thing with it. 
if that's what you want, then you need to produce like it. Right. My point exactly. That's my, that's my point. So if that's what you Matt Duchesne wanted like in it. Colorado and you want to get paid that way and you want, you want that ice time and you want this and that, fine, but you got to produce that way. And that's my whole argument. That's my whole point when I make, when I beat the horse to death about his, <laughs> about his lack of production and only one 30 goal year is if you're going to be the guy and not have 30 goal seasons, then you've got to produce in other ways. And Matt Duchesne just didn't do it. No. And so that's my point is it is he strikes me as a guy that wants to carry the load. He wants to be the guy kind of like Kessel didn't want to be in Toronto. Right. There was just right. But Duchesne strikes me as a guy wherever he goes. He wants to be the top line leader guy. Yep. But he ha- but no matter where he's been, he hasn't produced as such. Right. That's... And so and and that's my that's my point. And, and so if Duchesne's solution then is to is to make no secret about his bitterness about it, there's the toxicity right there. Yep. And so that's that's my whole point. Speculation or not, that's and that's, that's how my all whole those point. things add together to become a, a one foot out the door. Yeah, that's my whole point with it. One last so. question for you: What would you do? Give me the short answer of what you would do with Tuka Rask. See, it, eh. he's thirty-four. See, I claim to I claim to be a, a big hockey guy, but I don't know a whole lot of the ins and outs of Boston's system and their goaltending depth and things like that. Tuka Rask is a is they don't have any they don't well, exactly they don't have any here's the thing are we are you asking me what boston does with him or what, what does, i do if i'm tuka no what do you do if you're boston he's ufa he's 34 he's not he's not bad but i don't think anybody believes that they can ride him through three or four playoff rounds so what do you do with him like I let do, him go do you resign him for a haircut you give him a couple of million try to keep him around a million and a half or two million for a year i let him be i let him be the the flurry to seattle they've got halak but halak is 36 so but but here's the thing if you're boston here's the thing here's the risk you take you don't really have the goaltending depth right and so do you let tuka rasko who's proven he's your guy no matter his age no matter his decline in things, he's your guy, and he can win you hockey games. Do you let him go because whew, he's declining and, okay, we're just going to take our chances? Or do you sign him and hope that he continues to, to, to help win you hockey games and, uh-oh, what do you do if he doesn't? So here's the, here's the risk. That's the risk. To me, to me at some point, and goaltending, it, we, goaltending is so important. We've discussed it how many times ad nauseum here, but... At some point, it's like anything else. It's like any any other position, any depth at any other position. At some point, you've got to allow people to show you what they can do. Yeah. And so, it, so if Tuca is thirty five years old and he's UFA and he's declined and and continuing to decline and there's concerns about his commitment level and all due respect to him, I know I know why he left a year or two ago you know, come playoff time was because of health around his daughter. Respect right. it, fine. But it all plays in nonetheless. When you when you have that, is that a risk you want to take on him to sign him to any length of t- any length of contract? So to me to me, I see Seattle go jumping at him. 
It's Tuukka Rask. What it's, it's like Marc-Andre Fleury. It's a guy who can win you hockey games, and it's a, it's a guy to at least bring in on any level to at least provide you some leadership to your up-and-coming goaltenders with a new franchise. How about Frederick Anderson? For what do you do with him? Uh, in, in, in Toronto? He's, or he's for, UFA. He's in, yeah, he's, he's in Toronto now, not re-signed yet. He's UFA. Do you, get, do you send him to the expansion draft? For nothing, do you try to sign and trade? Do you try to lock him up? You can't. They don't have money to. They don't have five, six, seven million to spend on him. He's gotten banged up a lot lately. Uh, Campbell had a Campbell had a real good playoff run. They've got some goaltending hope on the way, but I he's got to be he's got to be a guy like I'd be shocked if Freddie's in Toronto next fall. Yep. Well, so, it's it's you can say that about a number of goaltenders. I mean, look at the situation in Colorado. Okay, yeah. you've got to you got to lock up Landeskog, and for all intents and purposes, they will. For all intents and purposes, they will. That's not a guarantee. It's speculation, but for all intents and purposes, it's likely they will. You've also and as you should. He's your captain. He's your, he's your leader. You should lock him up. There's to me, there's no question. He's he if. If anybody else is a guy that should be a, a member of the Colorado Avalanche till the day he retires, yep. plain and simple. Fair enough. You so also you also got to lock up Kale McCarr. So at that point, here's the deal. There's a number of teams, Colorado included, clearly, where you have a choice to make. Do you take? Do you take a chance on the depth that you've created, and let a Grubauer go? Or a Freddie Anderson year. go. Yeah, Grubauer's a UFA. He's he's good through the end of twenty two. Is he? Yeah. So he's not a guy they have to lock up now. They don't have to now, so they can hang on to him for another year and and hope then. Okay, well then, that Miska or Ananen or somebody else is going to come along and develop into. Well, they're very. Francis gets healthy. They're very high on Ananen. Yep. He's he's the guy they wanted. He's they're very high on him. So. I, I can't believe I, I missed the mark on this, you know, me being a Colorado fan. I thought Grubauer was a UFA as well. But um, you're, but you're, you have the window open. You're looking at the, the contracts, right? You're, um, so if that, then fine. That kind of solves it for at least Colorado. But the point is, whether Grubauer is included or not, the point no. still is valid to any other team. Yeah, You've got I a got decision it. to make with these things. And, and it's like anything else here. We, we talk about it all the time, late in regular seasons with young kids. We talk about all this stuff. Give them ice time. Let them see what they can do. Well, it at some point here, cap this, flat cap that, whatever. You know, you've, you've got to see what, what other players can do. Because at some point, whether it be retirement, whether it be free agency, whether it be a trade, Injuries, trade. injury, whatever, Rask, Anderson, Grubauer, these guys are going to be gone. And so... And because goaltending is so important, it's very rare that you're going to see, for an affordable price, a Vasilevsky, Bishop, anybody like that Not on the happening. free agency market. Right. So you, at some point, you've got to trust, see what they can do, and build trust in the goaltenders you have. And so at some point, you've got to be, be willing to do you that. Roll the dice. You've got to roll the dice and be willing to do exactly. that. Right? Yeah. It's, it's the same thing. So... It, so in that regard, to me, and that's why I say to me, the only one way to, to build depth from within is to go to work and 
develop the depth. And the only Draft way to develop the only way to do that is to create the the opportunity for players to do so. And so, to me, Tukarask, Tukarask, make him available to either sign and trade or make him available to Seattle. Same with Freddie Anderson, yep. because you gotta you gotta see what Halak and Campbell and these guys can do for you, because. Because Rask is mid thirties, Anderson is no, is getting up there in age. These guys are only have so long left in a tough position, like a goaltender. So you got to see you what roll, your depth can do. When you roll the dice, if they come up right, then you've got you got Mark Andre Fleury, you got Vasilevsky, you've mm-hmm. got you know Sorokin and Varlamov in in uh, Long Island. You've got the two guys in uh, with the Rangers that are that are real sturdy. You've got that's when the that's when they come up seven. And w- if you roll them wrong, now you've got golly, there's nothing worse than having a pretty good team and no goaltending pipeline whatsoever. Ask ask any of the teams that are sitting at home watching right now what that feels like. Yep. Anywho, um, well, hold on one second. Yeah, see, what I'm pulling up says Grubauer's a UFA. I thought he was done through the through 22, but maybe not. Because I'm I'm looking at it. Landeskog is UFA for is a UFA, and on and I'm on cap friendly. I don't know where you are. Um, it says Landeskog's a UFA 21-22, and it says Grubauer's a UFA 21-22. So. Oh yeah, I I got it. So they're so they're, they're a UFA heading into yes into that year. So. Um, so again, circle back and add Grubauer to that conversation. Then, since we excluded him because we I thought uh, we thought he was had one more year left, so it, it create so include Colorado in that same discussion. At some point, Miska, Ananin, Werner, Jones, you gotta you gotta s- put the faith in and take the risk on that these can these are the guys Francois and his health whatever that these guys can take the ball moving forward because if because you have a decision to make lock up your Vezina trophy finalist goaltender that Grubauer has proven to be and take the risk then that you lose out on Landeskog or even Makar or lock up Landeskog and Makar and take a risk on your goaltender depth that's kind of the decision they're at yeah, and everybody's in the same boat with that. So, like, everybody's got got the same cap. Everybody's got the same roster decisions. Well, hundred percent. Expose someone to the expansion. So, I'm not, th- I'm not saying the, it's just Colorado. These um, are the but, balls in the air. The plates twirling on the little the little pegs for all the GMs around. So, it's, but it's like, but from a from because you know, just like you with Toronto, I know the most about Colorado. From the sake of the the conversation, we've we've discussed it ourselves. You know, off recording. You know. Free up Johnson at six million, right? You free you depending on what you want to do with Kadri and his discipline and things. If you if you move him in part ways, uh, take a chance on your new hooks and your depth and yep. everything like that. That's another four and a half. You lose a guy in the expansion draft. That's another three million or whatever, depending on who they take. You do these things and you're freeing up some cap space there that maybe you can get all three of your of your guys done. It's but, the great circle of life. Yeah. So. You cut guys loose. They get banged up. You get into contract problems or whatever. You you expose them to the draft. You trade them for a pick, and you you free up money to bring your kids along because they're likely to lose Matt Calvert. 
Yeah, he's, he's a U, he's a UFA as well, and, and he's too with his up. with his concussion history, yeah, th- that's likely it. They've already lost Soderberg at one million. Um, I pray, oh, I pray that they they part with Patrick Nemeth. He pisses me <laughs> off so much with how he played in the playoffs. Oh my gosh! Um, and if they do, that's an, that's a million and a half. That you pull off. They've got, you not only, I mean, every every time you look at somebody that's got, coming up that's got to be signed, you look at what you've got to lop off on the other end. And so you're likely gotta, to lose Sod because if you're trying be. to, if you're trying to re-up Landeskog and Makar and Grubauer. It depends on the price tag though. What a great Saad is score. A, he is, but he, but he's a 5 million or so hit and it, and based on how he played in the playoffs he's going to want a pay raise. Yeah. So 5 or 6 million. So he's too pricey to put in the middle six. Yeah. So if you can if you can and he said he wants to be in when he was traded he said he hopes to be in Colorado long term. Now again does that mean he's willing come negotiation time to say I'll play in your bottom six as a depth forward for 4 million? three and a half four million if it means i get to stay here and compete and and have a chance to win if the, if you if he's a guy that's willing to do that then great awesome but unfortunately pivot, unfortunately otherwise you're likely you're likely to lose out lose sod along with a number of these other guys so but that the, frees up space too so the key in the deal is probably cadre because if you cut him loose if you can trade him and he's a good asset if you can trade him then maybe you can get then, Sod brought in. Then for, maybe you can keep Sod. You can keep Gruby at least for the short term, and you can lock up Makar and Landeskog. But you also then need a two-hole center, which maybe means you got to go out and see how much Stasny's going to cost you. I think Edmonton will probably be in on Stasny too. I would think so. Not that he would likely go there, but you never know. I mean, it's anyway on that conversation though based on how he played is is jost a, a guy who's earned a, a top six center is he or is he still a bottom six guy i don't i, I like this guy i want to like him uh he was a v i you know he's a hometown kid everybody great kid he needs to be stronger he just needs to be strong he doesn't he, i think probably right now i'd rather have new hook yeah, I just like his strength, his speed. I, I think he's got a way bigger upside. Josie's just a he. He looks like he's still two or three years in. He's looking like he's still getting pushed around a bit. And I love him, but I but I don't think he's somebody that I would think about who he has to play against every night. So he's got to play against the Pavelskis or the Tyler Sagans or somebody like that. Who's he gonna who? I don't know if I like that in the two spot. No. So until he gets better, I'd, I'd keep him on the short term and keep him in the bottom six at a at a reasonable price. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. So. Well, it's been fun. Yep. Back in the back in the saddle again. Lots to look say. forward to as we inch closer to the Stanley Cup final. Yep. Uh, we are mere weeks away from the expansion draft, from free agency, from the. Um, entry draft from all that stuff and we are on we are just over a hundred days from the start of the new season so it's coming up quick and everything so a lot to look forward to um hockey is back or at least trending in the direction of being back with fans and more on a normal scale so hopefully that continues so um 
Yeah. A uh, lot to look forward to. Thanks for joining the studio this yeah, week. Great to be back. Man, uh, it's good to be back here. Whew. Again, make sure you hit on the necessary social media platforms. You like and follow us there. Uh, again, Facebook and Instagram. Um, just our name, War Room the Hockey Podcast. Uh, necessary audio platforms, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, uh, video platform on YouTube. Uh, again, our name, War Room the Hockey Podcast. Um, no video version of this one this week for YouTube, but... If you're heading over there, type our name in, subscribe, notification bell. Uh, that way you're alerted. And we will we'll see you next time. Evan Rauer. I'm Evan Rauer with Warm the Hockey Podcast. We'll see you all throughout the hockey community. Cheers. Hey, cheers.